This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 377. Hi, everyone. This is Daniel Pink, author of To Sell as Human, and you're about to enjoy another fascinating episode of the Read to Lead podcast with my friend Jeff Brown. Many industries worldwide are stuck as they struggle to survive and grow. Stuck businesses don't react, pivot, and redirect, which can be catastrophic. Hi, I'm Jeff, and this is the Read to Lead podcast, the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. If you've been listening for a while, you know that I believe that if you want to achieve true success in your business and in your life, then intentional and consistent reading is a must. I read 52 books a year, and I bring them to you via conversations with today's most successful and inspiring authors. Today, that author is Craig Lebasters. He's written a book called Unstuck, How to Unlock and Activate the Wisdom of Others. I'm going to ask Craig how to get out of the circle of stuck how to resolve your team's wisdom deficit, why it's important not to underestimate how fast you can learn, and a lot more. I'm so excited because in a couple of weeks, the website from my new book goes live around the middle of July or so. You should be able to head on over to readtoleadbook.com. Again, it's not live yet. Uh, You can pre-order the book uh, if you'd like to, and I'd love for you to do that other ways, like at Amazon or my publisher, Baker Books website. But in a couple of weeks, you'll be able to pre-order the book from there. We're putting together several hundred dollars worth of bonuses. When you pre-order the book, don't worry. If you've already ordered the book, you'll get access to those bonuses as well, including a mini course that my co-author Jesse and I have, have put together. And by the way, I just recently recorded the audio version of the book. A lot of people have expressed to me an interest in the audio version. Let me tell you this, you'll want to get, you'll want to pre-order a physical copy of the book instead. When you do, you're going to get the audiobook version for free. So no reason not to have both versions, right? If you just order the audiobook version, you'll only get the audiobook version. But if you purchase the physical copy, pre-order the physical copy, you'll get the audio for free. Again, more details on that coming in a couple of weeks. That'll be again, readtoleadbook.com. So make a note of that. And look forward to telling you more about it as the time draws near. Craig Lemasters is the former CEO of a $5 billion Fortune 500 subsidiary, an entrepreneur, investor, and board member with more than two decades of success in executive leadership positions, now dedicated to helping senior leaders get unstuck on the major growth challenges to their businesses. He speaks for a wide variety of industry and leadership audiences around the world with a focus on helping organizations more effectively navigate the journey from strategy to execution. I know from firsthand experience, he is a very patient and forgiving person. Don't ask me how I know. I just know. His his new book is called Unstuck, How to Unlock and Activate the Wisdom of Others. Craig, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. Well, thank you, Jeff. What a, what a pleasure to be with you today. And uh, anybody whose body of work is about intention to implementation is a friend of mine. I love the stuff you're doing and just a real pleasure to be with you today. Well, I'm so glad you're here. And one of the things that uh, fascinated me in your book is your 
story while at Assurance, I believe it was, uh, at a company that you helped get unstuck not once, but twice during your time there. Tell us about that. Yeah. it's uh, No, I had a great, great run there and um, actually spent 27 years with the same organization, a company that eventually and today is known as Assurance, mid-cap public company, and uh, just an amazing place and, and had the good fortune of being the CEO of uh, Assurance Solutions the last 11 years I was there. And um, yeah, that's how I started using some of this terminology that I eventually wrote about and built this this consulting practice around. But uh, yeah, we were stuck on some some hard stuff. And the, the, the first thing was we were a credit insurance company. So we sold insurance on loan products, basically. And not to bore you with all the details, but woke up one day and if you remember a guy named Sandy Weil, he used to run Citicorp and back in the day, and this is in the late 90s, I believe, and thing called predatory lending was a pretty big deal. And for whatever reason, he woke up one day and went on the news and said, it's not a lending practice problem. It's this thing called credit insurance and literally sort of threw our whole industry under the bus. And uh, we had to uh, pivot pretty quickly. So uh, that was probably 90% of my company at the time. So that was one, that was my first experience with stuck. And then the second one was really our whole journey on digital transformation that everybody talks a lot about today. But about eight years ago, we needed to go on that that journey. Our, our legacy companies was a hundred year old insurance companies, basically, and um, you know, not the most nimble, let's say. And we needed to be a little digitally savvy. So that was my second time that I I kind of got stuck and and started to get obsessed with the methodologies around getting unstuck. When you meet with with leaders yeah. in your travels, I would imagine that oftentimes you get some pushback initially with addressing <laughs> the idea of them being stuck. Is is that true? And if so, then how do you tend to address it? Well, a couple of things, and it is very common. I mean, and for some reason, it can sound a little offensive until we talk about it a little bit. But because because the way I use the terminology and what I mean by it is is stuck is not uh, doing nothing, right? It, it, and it's not about that we don't care. It's not that we're not working hard. It's not that we're not maybe trying some things. But what I mean by stuck is we're just not moving fast enough. And, and again, I come from a public company background and fast enough now is like quarterly. What did you do for me this quarter? I always tell people that I had 11 years as CEO in a public company and, and a measure, better measure is 44 quarters, right? I mean, that's just how you have to operate <laughs> and think, unfortunately. But it's the reality. So stuck to me is we're just not moving fast enough because I would never be presumptive to say that the methodologies that we built at GXG are the only way to get unstuck. I think there's lots of ways you can. I just think the way we do it and this thing that I landed on at Assurance actually just helps it go much faster, which is really the key. But yeah, that's the, that's the first pushback is just to get over the sort of the definition. And then I usually have some fun with some some diagnosis if, uh, if that doesn't work, because I think I think if we're honest and humble enough to admit it, we're all we're all stuck at some level in terms of not moving fast enough. Well, I know there's no one size fits all, but let's talk a little bit about your methodology that you call a circle of stuck. Yeah. And I think no matter the industry that you approach to, to problems often looks like that, right? 
Yeah, that's right. And that's that's kind of the diagnostic tool that I was referring to. So we have these fun conversations with CEOs or C-suiters usually about this. And, and if I get any pushback, like, ah, I don't know if I'm really stuck. Oh, well, part of it's easy because it's a public company. All the information's out there and it's pretty easy to look in and see what's working and not. But I, fa- I found a better way was just to tell my own story. And I came up with this um, idea of the circle of stuck. I believe it is a circle. And quite frankly, what I tend to focus on and sort of back to your whole implementation work that you do is what I like is when we go from new thing or, or existing things to new stuff, right? There's a technical term for you. Yeah, new adjacency product geography doesn't matter to me. So this is all related to going to new stuff. And, and, and what I found was that that's where we tend to get the most stuck. If it's around our core business, it's usually just around the fringes. But going to the new stuff is when we really get stuck. So the circle of stuck goes like this. And it's just my story. That when we try to do new stuff, we always started with a meeting. We'd have a meeting, uh, usually quite a few people. And then we'd do a summary of the meeting with our quote priorities. The priorities were actually usually, you know, one, two, three, four, five, whatever. And then we had A, B, C, and D. So you end up with 40 or 50 quote priorities. <laughs> that didn't work so well. So we'd get more people involved, have another meeting. Then we would bring in consultants to try to help us sort through that. And then we would create what I call buzzword salad. We start to, and we perfected this, right? We would start to create a whole new vocabulary around the new stuff we were trying to solve. But you get the idea. We're never really solving for it. We're doing a lot of activity. And then we get to the moment of truth where we finally decide to actually go do something and we assign somebody and we say, hey, Jeff, go do this, right? You're it. And guess what? Jeff doesn't want to take risk because we're not sure it's the right direction. So what happens? You kind of moonwalk walk backwards and you don't want to do it because we're very risk averse. So what do we decide to do? We go back and have another meeting, right? (laughs) And we start the whole cycle over again. And again, it's just my story. That's what we did. I was frustrated with it. I was doing it on this credit insurance, our product going away. Um, We had to morph the company. I mean, when 90% of your product is like kind of going away, you got to morph the company and we're doing the circle of stuck. And then we did it on transformation. How do we become a digitally enabled company? So basically, I, I drew the picture of Circle of Stuck just to go talk to people and say, look, this is what happened to me. If it's not happening to you, right, then we probably don't have anything to talk about. But usually, I can barely get through part of the Circle of Stuck. And I left an important one out, which is one of my favorite. It's, it's the dreaded carbon copy, right? So we CC people after these meetings. And those lists grow and grow. And I was telling the story recently, and a CEO stopped me and said, wait a minute, I just saw an email. And there were over 250 people carbon copied on the email. <laughs> and he looked at me and says, maybe we are stuck. And I'm like, well, it's just one, one tool. But that's why I did it, just to help people think about it. Are you in this circular pattern that you just need to break? And if you need to break it, we've got a, a clue of how to do that. That's really all. And just let's just be honest about it. Let's just admit that we get in the circle of stock. Mm. In, in a chapter called The Missing Link, I think it is, uh, yeah. Craig says it's all about wisdom. Craig, talk about why you believe this to be true and, and what you perceive to be the, the wisdom deficit, if you will. Yeah, so that that ended up being the secret sauce and still is today. I've been doing this for about six years now. And again, sort of in, invented or bumped into this methodology uh, when I was running Assurant. And, and what confused me, Jeff, is like we're having all these meetings. Again, we're doing a lot of things, you know, and we could make some progress, but why was it 
why was it not moving fast enough? And the, and the key I found was in that, that initial statement, we're going from core things to new stuff. So in my case, let's use a real case study. I was going from credit insurance and we were in getting the warranty business, which had some similarities, but it was still new. And what I found, it was an aha moment. You look around as a leader and you're like, wait a minute, who actually has the wisdom? And I define wisdom as the intersection of both knowledge and experience. So who in this room actually has a high enough degree of both knowledge and experience to help us get to this new stuff? In my case, it was called warranty business or digital transformation work, right? And so that's when I landed on this sort of inflection point that, wow, if we could diagnose, do we have enough wisdom in the conversation and be humble enough to recognize when we don't? then maybe we're onto something. And this was a game changer for me. When we, when we sort of had that aha moment among our team, and then we went out and found and borrowed the right wisdom, as I call it, to help us with this, the speed at which we got unstuck was mind-blowing to us. Mm. And, and so that's when I landed on it. And I think what, what we've tried to do the last five years is to go prove this in a like 12, 13 different industries, all kinds of different engagements and topics. And Because if you think about it, if what's missing is, and you buy into this wisdom formula, if that's what's missing, you can go find that. It's everywhere. You just have to be intentional about finding it and then activating it. And so I'm kind of agnostic to what we're stuck on. There's, there's an answer out there. We just have to be intentional about finding the right wisdom. Uh, let's move, Craig, into part two of the book where you kind of unpack the formula more yeah. fully uh, for getting unstuck. Uh, what does it take to get humble in your words? <laughs> well, the humility thing is 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 actually the probably the biggest and in some cases the, hum, the hardest part, but it, this whole methodology starts there, right? If we don't have the humility as leaders to admit that we're stuck, but more importantly, ask the important question, which is, you know, that, or, or recognize the most important question that I don't know what's on that other side, that, that leap to the new stuff, Right. That if we, we just have to be humble enough to say just because we've been successful in our core business doesn't mean we have the knowledge and experience to go do the new stuff. And I would argue, Jeff, that when we take that step, again, whether it's geography, new products, uh, products, it doesn't matter to me. When we take that step, what tends to happen is our knowledge and experience doesn't go down incrementally. It goes down exponentially. And that's what creates the angst in organizations because now we're looking at each other and we get frustrated in the middle of that circle of stock. And it's a very, very hard place to be. So the humility is so important because if you don't have that, none of this will work, right? You might even allow us to bring in some of this wisdom, but you're ultimately not really going to listen and you're certainly not going to activate or take any advice. So all of this work starts with humility. Now, I will tell you that this part has been very encouraging to me mm. in that, yeah, there's people that don't have it, don't want to have it, never going to have it. I kind of don't spend time there. That's our first diagnosis is I want to meet people that once they understand what I mean by stuck, once they understand what I mean by the definition of wisdom, are willing to just sit back and listen and absorb it. And I would say most leaders are okay with that. And certainly coming out of COVID are okay with that. If COVID did nothing else, I think it's going to do some positive, believe it or not. And one of them is I think it's driven us to a lot of humility mm. or more than we had before. 
I appreciated reading about your affinity for the analog, uh, things like uh, flip charts and, and whiteboards. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How do these tools, Craig, help us to discover and, and label and sort the, the wisdom gaps that we deal with? Well, we, we I'm a very visual person, so quite frankly, a lot of it's just personal and I never had my own company before. So now I kind of get to do it the way that, that I like to do it, Jeff, <laughs> to be perfectly candid. But I found it really resonates with people because I think, and this bothered me as a CEO in a public company, is I think we tended to use technology to a degree and PowerPoint as a bit of a crutch. It's just, an, it's just it eliminated, in my opinion, part of the thinking, part of our jobs as leaders. We, have, I mean, leaders, to me, have one job and one job only. Everything else is second, third, way down the list, and that is to make choices. And I think the best way to make choices is we get flip charts and whiteboards out, and we literally draw the picture of, again, core is point A in my book, and the new stuff is point B. And we have to be able to draw that picture. And then we just like to draw ecosystems on these flip charts and and literally identify the buckets of wisdom that we're missing to get to point B. And there's no better way to do that than to show people how to do it and then hand them the marker and say, let's just draw this picture. Sounds simple, but I find it incredibly powerful. I I just, um, I think we lost in some organization the art of thinking and what I would consider real collaboration. And it's amazing what drawing some pictures can do for people versus just sitting there and listening to PowerPoint, or as I call it, death by PowerPoint usually. <laughs> Why do you think it's so often difficult, Craig, for, for leaders to ask for the help they need when they need it? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it's a, it's a, I, I suppose, without getting too uh, philosophical on you, I think it gets back to our core sinful nature as human beings, quite candidly. I mean, you know, we all have egos, and I'm not suggesting at all. I mean, I, I, I bumbled around. I mean, I got, as I said, got to be a CEO for 11 years. The first four or five years, I just assumed that because I had missed a meeting, I guess, and got the title and got the job, right? I, I don't know why I got the job. I mean, there are lots of people qualified, but somehow I assumed that when I went in the next day, I was just a completely different person. And I knew a lot more than I did the day before. You know, newsflash, I really didn't. And, and so I do understand it. We do get in a, in, in, I think, in a, in a place where we believe we have a lot more knowledge and experience than we do. Now, again, I don't know. A lot of it is not. Some of that's ego. Some of it is just again, the sense of success we may have had in our core business and assuming it just transfers to everything else. Mm. And I would argue that, yeah, processes and some other things might, but the core knowledge and experience is usually missing, particularly on these harder topics. I mean, if you think about what I was going through, credit insurance to warranty, digital transformation, I mean, and you, you know this in your practice, so many leaders have a very low, what I would call corporate IQ, knowledge and experience on digital stuff if we didn't grow up in that, mm. right? And so I think part of it is ego and then part of it is just us being a little naive that everything transfers and it doesn't. And, and what I'm trying to prey on, quite frankly, is how we were supposed to learn. If you think of it, you go back to the history of education. I mean, how did 
the first documented things around education. It was just a wise person teaching a less wise person one-on-one or in a very small setting. And that's all we're doing. I mean, my business model is not super sexy from that standpoint. (laughs) It is actually a throwback of how you're supposed to learn. And so getting leaders to say, it's okay to learn this way again, but we've got to start with that admission that, you know, we're not quite there yet on our own. And that kind of lends itself or leads right into the last step of the formula, I believe, activate, where you talk about, you know, we've been conditioned to believe that learning takes a long time, but your experience shows something else. Absolutely. Yeah. And we have, um, we use two formats and and the biggest surprise for people is one, how quickly they can learn the new stuff that we're talking about. We actually trademarked the term rapid cycle learning for that very reason. And what we found in one format are what we call one-on-one learning conversations. If it's the right wisdom on the other side, and then it's facilitated correctly, everything we do is highly facilitated. Because again, we tend to like each other. Like I'd love to just talk to you about all kinds of stuff. If you like sports and dogs and families, I mean, who knows what? Three out of three. Yeah, well, there you go. So highly facilitated means we're going to transfer the wisdom from one person to the next. And we do those calls in 50 minutes, actually. And the single biggest feedback we get is I had no idea I could learn so much in 50 minutes. And in fact, I've got to go absorb that before I can do another conversation. We do our advisory board work and usually a series of three meetings over about six months. So it goes pretty quickly. And and, and, the, and the reason we have to spread them out, because if you get the right wisdom in the room and we do a full day of facilitated conversations and our methodology... It takes two months just to absorb and go activate and work on the things that were shared and actually agreed to and decided in one session. And again, I go back to, you know, there's no mystery to me why this works the way it is. I mean, you have a a huge background in radio and TV and broadcasting, right? I have none of that. If if I had a one-hour facilitated conversation with you, okay, and you just poured that knowledge and experience into me, in one hour, I would know a whole bunch about broadcasting. I'd be a lot better (laughs) at this podcast we're doing right now if I had that opportunity, (laughs) right? It's not a complicated process, but it's amazing how fast it works and how excited people get. I've seen leaders who have been stuck on very hard, particularly technical technology issues, AI, and very complicated stuff for two, three years. They've invested millions of dollars in consulting and all this. Get out of a three-hour advisory board meeting and, and, and some of the feedback we'll get will things like, hey, two years I've been working on this and in three hours, these four people helped us get unstuck. We have a pathway to do that. And again, I just think it's the way we were supposed to learn. Yeah, I could talk to you about this all day long. Well, same. <laughs> <laughs> but in the interest of time, I do have a couple of questions I want to ask you, not directly related to the book. And before I do sure. that, I want to make sure I give you a chance to share anything else from the book you want to make sure we know about. No, as far as the book, I, I really encourage people to read it. I, I wrote literally a 108-page book. It started out at 300 pages. And a very wise friend of mine that's done a lot of books said, Craig, you realize the average, and I guess this is true data, but the average person reads one-third of every business book they pick up. So why why don't you just make this one a third the size? So, uh, but I encourage you because what I do is I actually spell out the whole methodology. We call it wisdom-based learning. Spell it out, and, and I encourage people because you can do it. You don't have to have GXG to do it. We make it more efficient if you do. 
but what I really wanted to do is share it, and, and it will change the way you think about learning and, and move. So I just encourage people to, to check it out if you get a minute. It takes in, you know, probably an hour or two to, to read through it. Well, as many books as I read, I certainly appreciated that about it because <laughs> I was able to get through it uh, relatively quickly. Now, my other friends in the spirit of Canon has said, well, you're not smart enough to write more than 100 pages. So that, that part is probably a better, more accurate story. But anyway. What do they know? What do they know? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, give us a bit of insight into your history with reading uh, other books and the impact that, that they've had on, on, on your life? You know, in other words, how has the habit of reading impacted your success, would you say? Yeah, I've been more of a current event person, business reading, and thankfully I'm 34 years of marriage to a, a, an incredible avid book reader who has taught our four kids that art. So I struggle through books, maybe also why I wrote 100 pages, but I'm a, <laughs> I'm a big fan of it. And I've always looked at it in three buckets, Jeff. I mean, on the business side, the, actually the book that changed the way I thought about, and, and again, it's similar to your topic, but when I that really changed the way I thought about business was Larry Bosti's book on Execute and the former GE guy. And it, mm. it, that was a game changer for me. So I sort of started that body of work. I'm a bit of a health fanatic and, and believe what we consume is is largely responsible for our health and how we how we live. So I do a lot of reading there and then take my faith very seriously and our family does as well. So certainly um, the best book of all time, the Bible has been uh, the guidepost for me and my family. So those are the three buckets that I've really focused on. And that's what's impacted me the most are all three of those. Yeah, Good recommendations all for sure. <laughs> Well, with the book out now for a few months, yeah. uh, what's ahead for you and your team that you're excited about and are able to, to share with us? Yeah, we're at a stage, I mean, you know, again, I knew nothing about building an advisory firm, a corporate guy. And then the reason I left uh, to go do this is I just saw that this methodology, wisdom-based learning, works so well. I wanted to share it with a broader audience. And so it took a few years to get going and I knew nothing about this. And, and I'm very grateful that it's caught on and the firm's crawling pretty fast. So as we look ahead, I guess two things. One, we're going to continue to scale our firm and just help a broader base of people. I'm particularly excited. We've gotten into the nonprofit world, and it's a real passion of mine. I think it, a lot of nonprofits need this kind of health help, and, and so we've started doing that across all sizes of companies as well. And then we're going to do some addendum to the book. I want to start adding to the book some of the case studies that we've actually experienced with wisdom-based learning. We had some wonderful endorsements of people that had used it that were kind enough to endorse the book. And now I want to share some of those stories. So we'll do some regular addendums to, uh, to the book Unstuck as well. Uh, careful, you might increase its content by 100%. I, I know, I got to be careful. They're going to be really short case studies. Right? So thank <laughs> you for kidding, that. <laughs> well, the name of that book, again, is called Unstuck, How to Unlock and Activate the Wisdom of Others. I enjoyed it immensely. I think you will, too. His name is Craig Lamasters. Craig, thank you so much for being a part of the Read to Lead podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jeff. I encourage you to connect with Craig online. His website is gorgeous. You should visit it as well. Well, I'll put links for all those things and the resources he and I talked about, like the books he recommended, all on the show notes page for this episode. That, of course, can be found at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 377 for episode 377. Write this URL down. Keep it handy. You're going to need it in a couple of weeks. Readtoleadbook.com. That's going to be where you can grab a copy, pre-order a copy of my upcoming book called Read to Lead. The Simple Habit That Expands Your Influence and Boosts Your Career, coming out on Baker Books 
on August 31st. And when you pre-order it, you're going to get access to several hundred dollars worth of bonuses, a mini course that I'm putting together with my co-author, Jesse, some eBooks for free, a free copy of the audiobook, and lots more. Again, remember in a couple of weeks, you'll be able to go to read to lead book. Com. It's not even live yet, but it will go live around mid-July, and we'll be making the pre-order push from then until uh, the end of August. If you've already pre-ordered the book, don't worry. Uh, you'll still get access to those bonuses that I talked about. But again, write that down, readtoleadbook.com. Hey, thank you so much for listening. I look forward to seeing you next week when we get a visit from my good friend, Mr. Mike Kim. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Read.